Hello, how's everybody doing on this fine fucking day? Um, I am your host, Josh, and this is In Defense of Liberation, the podcast that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement. Um, If this is your first time tuning in, uh, I appreciate you showing up. And if this is you coming back to listen again, I appreciate you too, and I hope that we can do a good enough show today to get everybody to come back yet another time. Um, So just as like a little heads up, top of the episode, two things. Um, First of all, I am driving to work, so if there's any background noise that gets on anybody's nerves or anything like that, um, I apologize, uh, but I definitely don't really have anything I can do about it because unfortunately I get to work uh, just about every single day of my life and so because of that the only time that I get to record is when I am driving to work or driving home from work so the second thing that I just wanted to say is that um, it is eight o'clock in the morning so I noticed on my last episode that I kind of like trail and maybe don't get to the point as much as I would like to. Um, I apologize. I'm doing this by myself, talking to myself in my car. So it's like, it's very hard to stay on track sometimes. Um, but I'm going to try to do better at that. Uh, and yeah, so got that off the top. I hope everybody's doing well. Um, today I really want to talk about Um, some history stuff. I want to talk about uh, internationalism and I want to talk about anti-imperialism. So I live in America. Um, I don't know where everybody is listening to me to, but um, I live in America, which is really awful and I hate it and I wish that I lived somewhere better. I especially live in a a very reactionary, white, conservative area, which is super even better. So that's awesome. But the reason why I bring up that I live in America is because, as we all know, um, America has been, for a while, the leading, not only hegemonic power, but how did they come to hegemonic power? Which, if you don't know what that term means... Uh, briefly, real quick. Uh, Hegemony is the idea that a ruling class can control the media, the minds, and the the ideology of a given place without necessarily having to do it explicitly. If you want to learn more about that, go on YouTube and look up Antonio Gramsci, um, or Gramsci, I don't know how to properly pronounce his last name, uh, hegemony, and you'll be able to find a real quick, I think it's like a 16-minute video, um, that's really, really useful, but America has remained not only the hegemonic control of the world, um, but they've been able to establish that and, you know, uphold that through keeping the world's largest imperialist force, keeping the world's largest standing army. To understand why that's, you know, especially significant, we need to dive into a little history. 
Um, But before we dive into history, I want to talk about some definitions. So imperialism, for those of you who might not necessarily be the uh, history buff, it usually is separated from colonialism. When we learned it in school, it's like colonialism versus imperialism. Uh, That's not really a useful lesson because imperialism is a part of colonialism. It is a part of the colonial structure. And colonialism also has a part of itself, uh, capitalism. So to understand these things truly, we want to understand them as a dialectical evolution into one another, not a severance from one to the next, not a beginning to an end. Um, So, of course, we have colonialism, you know, where Spain, the Dutch, uh, the English, and the French, plus some others along the way, went all over the world massacring just about everybody and taking over their land. It's colonialism. Out of colonialism, because of the forces who uh, participated in that colonialism, uh, you see the development of capitalism through the middle-class artisan types of each one of those prospective continents or countries. And out of this capitalism, you have a dire necessity for constant growth. Capitalism is a system which is wholeheartedly based off of the primary objective of earning a profit. And in order to earn a profit, as we learn if we read or learn about um, Lenin's imperialism, the highest stage of capitalism, it is a un, um, it's an unstoppable continuation of capitalism, imperialism. But more than that, capitalism develops in a certain way towards what we might know as concentration, centralization, or better, monopolization. Um, and once that starts to take place, You can only corner so many markets within your given geography. You have to continue expanding. And so you see these companies, you see these countries go into other countries, go across the globe sometimes and dominate entire portions of the world for the sake of profit. That is imperialism generally. And if you look at it this way, We can understand truly what the root cause of imperialism is and therefore how to correctly address it. So now that we kind of have that underway, we want to go back into a little bit of a... uh, We want to go into a little historical discussion about, you know, kind of what it is in, in this country today that has been able to allow it to be so powerful. One of the main things, not only being it's just utter um, economic domination, but one of the physical uh, barriers standing in our way to some extent, um, because we'll talk about it in an instant, but uh, numbers, right, is this standing army. And we in America have tripled down, you normally double down, we tripled down on uh, standing army because we have 
the outright military, we have the National Guard, and we have the police. Which, if you think that any of those are necessarily separate other than the name that they go under, you got to do a little bit more self-critique, a little bit more deeper analysis to see that each one of those groups of people, even if they go by different name, their essence is still the same. They are a standing, armed, and special body of people who exist for the upholding of the status quo and exist to make sure that the current political structure is upheld, that the current owners and controllers of what we might know as the government or more generally known as the state do not lose that power. And where does this come from? Because not for nothing, if you don't know history, you don't know that this standing army was not always a thing. You know, for example, during the Revolutionary War era here in the United States, that was almost all completely based off of, um, I think it's called subscription, um, or better known as like a draft type sitch. And you had like your military men, but they were very far and few between. And usually they were just rich uh, middle class folks who were seeking political power as well um, and military power. But after the revolutions in France in 1798 through to the early 1800s, you see the establishment of what we now know as a standing army. Because the Napoleon uprising, led by Napoleon Bonaparte, who was a military general, he understood the usefulness when holding a uprising or Uh, more importantly on the other side when keeping down an uprising what it is to have a a group of armed people ready to go and loyal not to the people but to the person in charge he recognized as a general and as someone who became a ruling class elite that this is one very very crucial way as to how the powers or the ruling class can continue to stay in power. From there, you see the establishment of a standing army in just about every empire or republic that came into existence, um, for good reason. I'm not a military man. I'm not here to talk about the military. We're just giving you that brief little summation because that's important to note when we talk about what it is that is stopping uh, the people of the United States from you know, getting the power that they need. Um, When you read, like, Lenin and Mao, or even just, like, listen to their speeches, check out Dank Audio Stash on, um, on YouTube, because that's a really, really useful source, and it has given me the opportunity to listen to a lot of speeches that I didn't even know existed, um, but because that resource exists, I was able to, you know, listen to those. And there's been a lot of good resources on there that have been like ham- like the state, just the state by Lenin uh, is on there. That's incredible. If you need, you know, kind of an understanding, okay, I hear this term, the state all the time. I don't really get what it means. Um, 
or kind of how, like, what it is that we need to do in order to defeat that, um, that's a fantastic resource to really hammer that knowledge down. Um, because it's important to understand these things not just as a name and not just as a broad idea, but truly understand these things for the sake of being able to know how they operate, being able to know where they find their origin historically, being able to know how it is that they can be unraveled or maybe uh, overthrown. Um, it's, it's crucial to not just know these things, but to understand these things. And so when you read or listen to Lenin or Mao, you get like that like burst of like revolutionary fervor and you just get ready to go. So like something that I've been really focused on learning about is like, how is it at, because Lenin for a majority of his time and Mao as well is writing about the revolution that either took place or was taking place um, and the lessons learned from it. And so because of that, you read that and you go, oh, boom, time to start a revolution. But all honesty, folks, hate to break it to us. America's not there currently at the moment. That's what we're working for. That's what we do this for. And that's what we have conversations and learn these things for. So one of the main concepts that most people do not recognize is this idea of class society. You know, we're not really taught to understand what that means, and I've done multiple episodes on it, but the majority, uh, or I should say the general idea of what it means to be a class society is you have one group of people who is in control, and when we look at the world that we live in today, we know that that does not just mean politically, that does not just mean economically, and that does not just mean militarily. That means in every way in which power can be exerted, there is one group who is doing that power exerting over the rest of the people in the country, the majority. It's what is better known as the rule of the few over the many. Because of this, we have what we now know as class society. And that class society is based off of distinctions that do not make sense in the world that we live in today. And so this means that the structure of the world that we live in needs to change. It needs to adapt to the material conditions and to the material needs of the people who are alive today. So one thing that those people, us... Along with the folks who might not have this knowledge yet, we got to bring it to them. We got to we got to work with folks. We got to build with folks. Um, the intentionality is to erase oppression, is to erase the domination of one class over the other, and especially to erase exploitation, death, destitution, inequality, impoverishment. All these big words or or not so big words, but uh, uh, buzzwords that we can use, 
they come down to meaning the fact that there is one group of people who is rich and they can eat every day. They got homes to live in. If they get sick or whatever, they got a doctor to go to. They don't got to even worry about it. They can get to wherever they need to go whenever they want to because they can afford proper transportation. They can get the jobs that they want and need because they can afford the transportation to get there for interviews. They can afford the clothes and, and everything that you need in order to get a job in this country. And then not for nothing, but the majority of the people that we're talking about here, the ruling class folks, don't need a job. What it means to be ruling class is that at the end of the day, you do. If you are working class, like those of us listening to this probably are, that means your only capital is your labor force. The only way you can afford to eat, the only way you can afford a home, the only way you can afford education, clothes, medical care, is by going out and working in order to earn money, capital, to turn around and buy those things for yourself. If you're a member of what we truly want to call the ruling class, this isn't something that you have to do. You don't have to worry about these things. You are perfectly provided for. And so what we want to see is obviously a world today which is full of abundance, which is full of everything that anyone in this planet could ever need given to the very people who need it. So what's stopping us? I mean, that seems like a pretty good idea that most people could get behind. That seems like something that our government would lie and say that they want to do. But what is it that stops us, not only in this country, from ending our own oppression and helping the people of this land, including not only those who fly under the United States banner, that means immigrants, that means indigenous people especially, uh, what is it that's stopping us not only here in this country from helping these oppressed folks, but also helping the folks who are in complete and utter destitution because of capitalism all over the world. Well, what is capitalism's form that it takes in, in, in a certain period, at a certain stage? Imperialism. And imperialism is the United States bread and butter. It is to the T exactly what has kept us in power across the world. We have some 800 military bases across almost every single continent in the world. And yet, according to the United States State Department, there is not a single military base in the United States from a foreign country because that is, and I'm quoting, an act of war. So this is, you know, we see by just that little snippet right there what it means to be American and what has kept America in power for so long. Again, um, like we were discussing earlier, imperialism is not separate in any way from colonialism or from capitalism, except for as history progresses, material conditions change across the world we know this is true that's just how human evolution and civilization has progressed and so because of that at each stage of human or civilized quote-unquote progression we can see 
where and how the different forms of oppression took place because they suited the material reality wherein they were oppressing. And so now, in the day and age that we are in, with the insane military technology that the United States and other countries have, we have military domination from right here within our border, um, across the globe. And that is not only the domination that we have, because we also use what is called hybrid war, which is just an all-out offensive economically, politically, uh, in the media, socially, and militarily against countries which the United States does not agree with. Uh, Some very keen uh, examples right now would be China, would be Venezuela, maybe Bolivia in 2019, um, Syria, many different countries that we are just completely trying to destroy by any means necessary. Um, That imperialism, that global domination is what has kept us in power for so long. And it is the first thing that needs to go if we want to truly erase uh, the oppression of capitalism, truly erase the domination of the United States in, in the globe, but also if we want to erase the oppression and domination that we are seeing here in the United States, We have to take some of the same strategies against not only the imperialism that takes place here against uh, immigrants, against indigenous folks, but we also have to take those strategies to fight against the oppression of the working people, of marginalized communities, and of just about anyone who is not ruling class within the United States in order to establish here while also working towards internationalism, while also working towards ending imperialism to establish what is known as the dictatorship of the proletariat and to establish a anti-oppression, anti-imperialist, anti-capitalist order of power by which the people are in control. Not some government made up of ruling class elites, not corporations, not militaries, not banking firms, but the people themselves organized and militant in a way to fight the very oppression that has oppressed them to that day. And that's why it's crucial to not only just, you know, understand that, okay, capitalism is bad, we got to do something about capitalism. It's not just enough to go, okay, I don't like the United States, we need to see we need to do something better we have to dig deep to see the actual structural and and systemic issues that are facing not only this country but the people of the world because as we know we are also on the verge of environmental collapse our planet is dying And there is nothing that can be done about that if we still are a capitalist world. There is nothing that can be done about that if the people are not the ones making those decisions 
and being in power. There is nothing that will ever get done to make sure that this country uh, stops to, uh, you know, care about the environment. There is nothing that will ever be done to convince capitalism that anything is more important than profit. Because that is its core incentive. That is the only reason that capitalism chugs forward, is profit. And so, what is it that would make anyone think that to this point, now, we're going to be able to convince billionaires and folks like that to just stop doing bad shit? And even if they commit to going green or, you know, moving away from fossil fuels, not only is that not going to be enough to protect our planet and make sure that our planet stays alive, but that ensures that they are still in power. And what have they done to earn that power? What have they done to convince us that they deserve any control over anyone, even their own businesses? They can't pay anyone a livable wage. Capitalism does not care about anyone or anything other than its own profits. So, my final point before I let you folks go is this. Um, there is a explicit power structure that is evident across the world which is this domination of capital over people. This domination of money, of profits, of corporations, of banks, over the majority, over billions of people. And not only is that nonsensical, just talking number-wise, but it is also one of, if not the, it's the, um, but some folks want to talk about some other things. It's, uh, it's the core root as to why the inequality, the impoverishment, the racism, the sexism, the homophobia. It is the reason why all these dominant and oppressive ideals and ideologies hold across the globe. It is because... You can't rely on your own exploiter to stop exploiting you. You cannot say to someone who is stepping on your foot, who maybe doesn't give a shit about you, or I've used this example before, and I think that it's a very poignant example, and I think that it's a very real example, and so I think it's a very necessary one, but you can't ask someone to stop kneeling on your neck because... You can't breathe in this country. How the hell do we expect that that same country is going to do anything to fix the very problems that it is benefiting from? That it has created for the sake of its own gain and that it will continue to do until they are not the ones in power. How can we expect anything of the like, of the sort? How can we expect these things to change in this way? It's it's implausible. It's it's not it's not realistic at all. In every way that we can, we need to be educating about ending imperialism. In every way that we can, we need to be fighting imperialism, whether physically or with our own money or whatever that needs to look like. We cannot 
and we will not allow capitalist exploitation, imperialism, and oppression to reign in this country and in this world. Capitalism is the economic base, the economic incentive for this oppression. But capitalism is not the only thing that we need to be fighting against. We need to fight for an end to capitalism so as to erase the economic incentive, so as to erase any and all reason why anyone would want to commit to those types of beliefs, to those ideologies, or to those practices. But at the end of the day, simply eliminating capitalism will not erase the structural problems that it has created across the globe. We have to fight with everything that we have. We have to fight for the actual survival of not only this planet, but everyone on it. And there are people all across the globe who recognize that, who are fighting now, just as we are talking, and who recognize that this is the only way that we will survive, not only as a species, but as a planet. Um, that's just real life shit, unfortunately. Um, but it, you know, take with it, take encouragement, knowing that we have the numbers and we have the need and the people know what that need is, but the people do not know how it is that they are going to get to that point because they have been led astray. They have been propagandized to. They have been miseducated, and they have been convinced to hate one another, to kill one another, and to hope for the death of one another for their own benefit. We can no longer do anything of the like. We have to 100% in everything and in every way that we can fight oppression, fight imperialism, and fight capitalism. And just know that there are billions more standing right behind you who not only need you to fight, but are going to be ready to fight sooner rather than later. So take that to heart. Um, If you folks are still listening, I really appreciate you. Uh, Go ahead and check me out on all my social medias on TikTok, on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook. Go ahead and check me out also on my website, which is for liberation uh no caps or spaces dot wix site w-i-x-s-i-t-e dot com forward slash website where you can find my blog which is uh usually similar topics to what we cover on the podcast but not always um and yeah, uh, if you want to reach out to me for anything else, you can email me at indefensiveliberation, again, no caps, no spaces, at gmail.com. Um, if I can hit you folks with a little bit of word of inspiration before we go, um, I recently joined up with some of my local organizations, and we are going to be hosting a May Day demonstration in my hometown for the first time in 102 years. Um, And that is an incredible feat, not only to just try to work to educate people about International Workers' Day and what it is that we need to do in this country to truly see workers' rights um, and human rights, 
but also just to build community and to go out and, and see the people and say, you know, hey, I'm, I'm here and, and I, I want to help. Um, that is all we can do. There is nothing more that you should expect of yourself other than taking the opportunities that are laid in front of you and seeing what can I do to help. Um, so going away today, I want you folks to try to, you know, take it to heart and really think, is there any way that I can be helping? Is there any way that what my skills are, maybe I'm good at making YouTube videos, maybe I'm good at recording a podcast, maybe I'm good at talking to people, maybe I'm a great cook, maybe I know how to use a gun really well. Um, Those are all skills that people need to learn in this country right now, and I'm sure that there are members of your community who could really use the help. Um, Don't overextend yourself don't overexhaust yourself because you can't help anyone if you're not able to even complete the tasks that you committed to but if you have the time if you have the opportunity if you have the chance the best thing that we can be doing right now is going out into our communities and seeing how we can help you know make sure with covid stay safe stay healthy i know a lot of folks are really struggling trying to get a vaccine Um, and to make sure that themselves and their loved ones and their communities are safe. But, you know, people still need to get fed. People still need to be clothed, be housed. Um, So just, you know, do whatever it is that you are capable of doing and knowing that it is going to take each one of us doing what it is we are capable of doing with a coinciding goal of ending capitalism and ending oppression um, that will lead us to a successful end to those things. It's not going to be one group or one person leading the charge. Nothing like that actually works. It's going to be each one of us going, this is what I can do and doing it. Um, So go out and do that, folks, um, because we need it and we need it now, not later. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Have a good weekend and everybody stay safe. Um, Until next time, this has been Josh at In Defense of Liberation. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. And uh, until the proletarian revolution really hits, we're going to keep doing this. So we'll see you next time, folks. You have a great rest of your day. Peace out. Bye. How's everybody doing? It's your boy, Josh. uh, And this is In Defense of Liberation the show that is educating about and working towards a true people's liberation movement and hopefully one day a true proletarian revolution. Um, But until that happens, uh, I'm your host, as I said, Josh. And today we got a little bonus episode for you folks. uh, I'm kind of in the process of moving and, and, you know, life is getting busy here again. And so I unfortunately didn't have a prepared episode, um, but I did do a writing. And to preface this writing, I want to say a few things. Um, But first and foremost, we, so I live in America. I don't know where all my listeners are tuning in from, but I live in America. And one of the most clear things that any of us in America, uh, especially those of us who call ourselves the quote-unquote left, should be able to recognize is that we are at a period of time 
where there is no second option, there is no alternative method than um, proletarian revolution and other than, you know, true uh, solidarity and, and coalition in order to end oppression on this planet. Because not only are people dying at a I, I can't even come up with a useful adjective. Um, so many folks are dying, not only within this country from coronavirus and from millions of other you know factors, but all over the world. Poverty, inequality, the pandemic, um, and many different things, especially including capitalism, and imperialism have led to the absolute destruction of humanity. Um, if you see what's going on in India right now, um, they are having to build outdoor crematoriums. In the space uh, of a hospital in one place that burned down because an oxygen tank exploded. And they do not have any oxygen for the majority so thousands of people are just dying every day and just being burned in in these outdoor crematoriums and you know the earth as we know is is very close to a disastrous turn and there just is no turning back there is no room for failure so you know, those of us who feel passionate about these things, those of us who feel as if we need to begin organizing and, and fighting these things, we must know that there is very, very little room for error. And that is not to intimidate or to scare anyone, but that is to encourage us to very, very, very often dedicate ourselves to learning the lessons that we can learn. 